Welcome to another episode of the Programmatic Digest podcast. I am your host, Ellen Parker, and we have Brett Middleton back with our Programmatic Wellbeing series. This is episode two out of the four. Brett, welcome back. How are you doing? Good, good to be back. I'm great. Thank you. Last episode, if you haven't heard yet for my people watching on YouTube or listening on major podcast platforms, we talked about the airing grievance of being a programmatic uh, trader from programmatic challenges. And so if you have not listened yet, I strongly recommend you that you do, because even though this episode is a different topic, I still feel like what we shared last week is so important. So I'll encourage you to go ahead and one, subscribe, but also go back and listen to that podcast, share on LinkedIn, share on our social media, tag us ask us questions, get the conversation going and see how many of us are actually thinking the same thing, but not saying it out loud. So Brett, thank you again for coming back on the podcast. Real quick, for those who don't know you yet, give us a quick intro of you. Absolutely. So my name is Brett Middleton. Mm -hmm. I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I work for Canvas Worldwide out of LA uh, as the Associate Director of Programmatic Media. Mm -hmm. Uh, I work on Stars Entertainment fabulous client to, to work on yeah. uh, managing, managing their programmatic efforts uh, with their team. And uh, let's see, I've got two daughters, um, nice. Blair and Sloan. I'm going to go a little bit more personal this time. Okay. I am an amateur Neil Diamond uh, karaoke singer and okay. uh, still, still play some video games in my advanced age as a 35 year old. Us guys really never grow up. <laughs> my husband is big on video games too so it's a safe space <laughs> he me, actually got me, me the switch for christmas and i was like this is so sweet and i, I was playing on it <laughs> during the you know the oh, travel yeah. the christmas travel and i was like this is so awesome what have i been missing my whole life this yeah. is awesome. <laughs> one yeah. of these one of these next episodes that we'll that we do together we'll play like some uh, mario party or mario kart while we uh while we talk oh we should we should I don't have Mario Kart, but I can invest in it. I do have Mario Bros because that's one of the things. I was like, if you give me a Switch, I want to be able to play the same type of Mario I played on the Game Boy <laughs> way back when. Uh, he was like, well, I don't know if the game is still out, but this game is pretty close. So he got me Mario Bros something, a deluxe edition, whatever. Nice. Okay. It's different, yep. but it reminds me of the Game Boy. I was one of the lucky few that got a PlayStation 5 like years back when they were... Mm -hmm. First, I got on like a 4 a.m. Best Buy drop and we have a switch. I, I do love the switch, though. So. <laughs> switch is fun. The switch is fun. Okay, so you heard it here. We'll have a Mario party soon. So if you're interested, holler at me and we'll make sure to let you tap in for free into the party. And for everybody else, it'll be paid. No, I'm kidding. Like People in your school can can hop into a Mario Kart race and if they win, they'll get like the free training. No, that's so that's that'd be really cool. That'd be really good to spice it up a little bit. Um, we're not going, <laughs> we're not doing it like the meta world, but we're doing it Mario Kart way. Okay, guys. So I do want to ask Brett because right before we started recording, he shared some very fun facts about his college journey. And so talk to us about your college journey. What happened? Yeah. Um, well, I, I will also preface that conversation by saying, like, um, Growing up, my my stepmom was in marketing. So like I, I I had a person that I, I looked up to who was like in marketing advertising and like it seemed cool, you know. Mm -hmm. So I had an idea that that it's what I wanted to do. Um yeah. so I went into college 
pursuing a marketing degree. Mm -hmm. um, I made it into my second year where I started having to take business law, economics, <laughs> accounting in the same semester. And I was trying to like cram through all these, these courses to get yeah. to the fun stuff. And I hated every second of it. And my grades started going down. So I, um, <laughs> I took a semester off. I worked in Alaska for a summer um, and nice. I came back and became a theater major for a year. <laughs> um, then I graduated with a degree in sociology. Um, <laughs> I'm so. laughing because my mom was a director of marketing for many years for an airline company when we live in Dakar, Senegal. The airline company is now called Essen Brussels Airlines, but back in the days it used to be called Sabina. So I remember seeing her like in the Don Draper and I always refer to that show because he had like the big board and the presentation, except she had like big earrings, red lip, really sexy, not sexy, but really like powerful suit. And I'm oh. like, yo, this is bomb. She works in marketing. I'm trying to work in marketing. So I always knew I wanted to be in marketing. I failed marketing one-on-one twice because it was so boring. And the only thing about marketing, if nobody knows, it's that it's all about definition and it's all about those terms and it's stupid. It's all about acronyms. And guess what? That's what programmatic is all about. SSP, DSP, right. uh, fucking CDP, whatever it is. Like you get CPM, CPC, like it's all about those acronyms. So even though I took marketing twice, yeah. I landed in this, in this industry and I'm like, damn, this is stupid. It's really stupid. Why do we do this to ourselves? But anyway. Yeah. In a phone oh. call this week, I said uh, the words POV on SOV. Uh, <laughs> Wait, the point of view of? On share of voice. Oh, share of voice. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> Everybody understood. <laughs> Hilarious. We, we, the little stuff that gets us, that gets us going around here. But anyway, so yeah, thank you. So. We didn't do this last episode, but before we get into today's conversation, which is all about automation, right? The A word. As a trader, we hear things like automation, optimization, automation, or things here and there. Um, you are going to share some very, very, very fun ways to automate a day-to-day. -day. Your day-to-day -day as a trader, if you keep doing this every single time when you're setting up a when you're setting up a campaign or whatever you are, you're going to share some tips, right? So we're looking forward to that conversation. So hang tight. But before we get there, I need you to share two wins and a challenge, which is something I do with every coaching call that I have, every community calls, because we're so good at talking negative about ourselves, about what happened to us, about a situation that we forget to see the blessings that happen or the great stuff that happens. So share with us two wins. It could be in the last week or in the last month. And I also encourage one thing. It can be two wins, but one needs to be professional and one needs to be personal. Mm. And then a challenge can be either professional or personal. Got it. Ooh. Um, let's see. Wins. My Dallas Cowboys are, may are <laughs> maybe not going to, you know, I, oh, oh boy! I just realized that at the time these episodes come out, the the Super Bowl will have already happened. <laughs> um, so, this personal wins. Gonna... My Cowboys have won the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, wow! Is this a prediction? Um, a wish? A yeah. hope? On um, this is we're, we're, you guys. Just so you know, we're recording this in January. Yeah. 
Cowboys have not yet played the Buccaneers. They are going to win and they will go on to win the Super Bowl. So that has been a big personal one for me. Um, okay, <laughs> we're second, going to go roll with it. Yeah, a second win. Um, let me see. I'll make this one professional. I, I was definitely in a place where I was a little bit burnt out in the mm-hmm. fall. And, you know, like, I don't know if it's a combination of Christmas break and, you know, just sort of like getting back in the, the swing of things like this just happens where you, you're in programmatic or any field in media, I feel yeah. like in particular, sometimes, uh-huh. you know, all the stuff just falls at once. And yeah. uh, it, it feels like over the last month or so, I'm just in a good place professionally. So I'm just I'm happy um, <laughs> with that. That's good. Um, challenges. Let's see. Gosh, that is a tough one. I am struggling with taking vacation in any kind of meaningful way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I looked at it in 2022 and I never took off more than like two days in a row, which I, I really think, I, I think it's bad. <laughs> no. no, Brett. Okay. Everyone, you, if you're listening, don't be like Brett. This is, this is not okay. Everybody deserves some time for themselves. You deserve to unplug. You deserve to take five days without even looking at like remembering where you work. So we're going to call it for, for Brett in 2023. He's going to do better. We already know he's going to do better because he's going to be amazing. I've, I've already, I've already have a trip planned in May. Uh, already Ooh. talked with, with the team. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's happening whether I want it to or not at that point. We'll see. Exactly. That's good. That's good. That's a good way to put things into perspective, like in, into action. I mean, yeah. Good. That's a very interesting challenge. I did that because I'm great at taking vacation, um, but working for yourself. Yeah, well, you I, 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 I said it in the last in the last you know episode. Yeah, that, like I, I work in like sprints and then I, I rest a little bit. So like yeah. I do give myself a lot of time to, to yeah, kind of, of course. relax, like self care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. actually not checking the inbox and not having to go in and check on a campaign or like make creative rotations yeah. like that's tough <laughs> that is that is really tough and I can definitely relate and that's why we're gonna we're looking forward to your yeah. your tips today to talk about minimizing efforts and increasing automation when it comes to things like setting up but also like the morale of the story that we're about to share is that people feel burnt out because they do repetitive tasks that can all can sometimes be automated sometimes they cannot Talk to us about your POV on, on this topic. Hey, y'all. So I am announcing the biggest, the brightest, the loudest party. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> biggest boot camp series ever. Nobody else is doing this out there, okay? So what is it, you ask? Let me tell you. We all know that optimization as a trader is one of the most important I mean, you hear me say this all the time on the podcast and the content. You got to optimize fine time, but time is a commodity and sometimes you just don't have enough time to. So I'm going to be doing four classes, four master classes in March, once a week for only an hour. So you only have an hour commitment for me. The very first class will be about best practicing, which targeting levers to look for, how to look for those targeting levers, and when to make the decision of using this targeting levers to optimize your campaign. The second class will be about how to optimize inventory. Think about site lists, think about data providers. And I will have live example where I will walk you through a pivot table in an Excel sheet with report with real data 
to help you really continue. But also I'll provide some best guides and some uh, workbooks so that you can follow through and then you can take it with you and implement in your campaigns. The third class is going to be how to optimize for the other less popular metrics, such as like frequency, reach, recency, time of day. So we're also going to have access to a report where we'll take you through how to look at each of those metrics and also decide like, hey, at this frequency, we are meeting our goal X or we don't need to be increasing frequency because it, there's no return on this change, et cetera. And the last class is going to be with a special partner that we're going to announce very, very soon, but they're going to help us understand the difference between AI versus manual optimization. And they're also going to have a live example, okay? So it is a really cool masterclass that I'm going to be offering. It will not be free. It will have a small investment. But if you're interested in just finding out more information, go ahead and go to helenparker.com forward slash optimization masterclass and then join our waitlist. And then you'll get on our waitlist and you'll receive emails about details, how to sign up to each masterclass, how much it will take, if you're signing up in a group, how much discount you'll be eligible for, who's going to be our special partner. And also, if you have uh, the opportunity to maybe sponsor somebody, there'll be a lot of good stuff coming to you your way. So if you're interested, helenparker.com forward slash optimization masterclass. Again, it's a four hour series, but each will be break down by hour once a week, and it will each have a specific topic of optimization and you'll, you may have access to guides and workbooks during that time. So it's really cool. You have nothing to lose. Let's go ahead and level up that skill set. Let's go ahead and teach you how to be efficient when it comes to optimization because God knows time is a commodity and we don't have a lot of it. Okay. So helenparker.com forward slash optimization masterclass. Thank you. What are some of the steps somebody could take to not feel burnt out when it comes to like things they do almost every time. And that's from a trader perspective as well. But if you're an account manager, if you're in sales, if you're a hiring manager, if you're a lead, if you're a director or a VP, I think you should hang tight and listen because we don't always hear a trader share those things, those challenges. And as a business, we focus on sales, 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 revenue, revenue, but the trader is what allows the nurturing of that cell. So it's really important that you pay attention from that perspective. Like, what can you do to make your team better, more productive based on what we're sharing? Because we struggle every day with those. <laughs> or Brett has found a solution and he's ready to share. Yeah. And thank you very much for that, for that intro. So I, I will say that um, these tips that I'm going to kind of walk through, I'm, I'm going to touch on sort of each phase along the way that that I go through in a programmatic campaign um, from, from planning to, to building to really like the stewardship of that campaign and any actionable tips I can give you. And we'll sort of just like overview that that part of the, the process as well too. Um, there, there are going to be just a lot of things that we can talk through, like it, just the ins and outs of each phase of, of of a campaign's like creation that I think we'll, we'll find some interesting stuff to talk through. So starting off with the planning process, um, and I, I will also say this isn't gonna be purely like set it and forget it, automation type stuff, it's, utilization yeah. tools. Yeah. It's gonna be a combination of things. So 
-hmm. in the planning phase, one of the challenges that I think that people struggle with the most um, when they're getting it, when they're getting started is like, how the hell do I even go about the process of like identifying what audiences are out there? Audience in particular feels like a tough one. I think a lot of people have a feel for it, right? Like yeah. they they get a, they get a research tool, or they just get really comfortable in their D, in their DSPs searching for for audiences. They've run enough campaigns that like yeah. they have an idea of what audiences that they're going to execute on the next campaign. However, I think that one of the things that programmatic people really struggle with is understanding the history of our audiences over time. In analyzing a particular audience segment, if we're reuse, if we're if we're utilizing similar targeting across multiple campaigns, I think that programmatic experts and programmatic traders should spend time creating a backlog of their audiences, their IDs um, that they've used on previous campaigns, um, and pulling performance reports across campaigns to look at, say, like over the past two or three years um, for an e-commerce client, right? The, the targeting has, the clients used several first party, third party behavioral and contextual segments for targeting. Mm -hmm. um, but let's say that they really focus on, on like streetwear. They're sort of like an Adidas, like underdog kind of brand that they're, that they're working on. So they found that hip hop and rap, like music segments um, perform well. Um, that's a that that's the kind of insight that I think a lot of us have, right? Like we, yeah. we can say that like our audience likes this kind of music or they exhibit these behaviors, but having the data to actually like mm -hmm. back that up and look at how that has gone over time, um, have a list of the audiences that you've used on previous campaigns and say like, how their performance was and their key in like the key KPI that you focus on. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we put enough effort on on sort of that backlog of performance history. And a lot of times we focus on creating new audiences rather than just understanding what's what really has worked in the past and, and accessing what we've done. Of course, I agree. But what I'm hearing is that um, take the time to actually build up your own audience playbook. I'm going to call it like an audience playbook, right? Mm -hmm. So over your time, you as a trader, you ran a campaign in the education industry, in the retail industry, in some type of industry, hospitality, pharmacy, you name it. And you've come across those same set of data segments of ideas of partners that have performed well or bad. And so standardize some of that because now you know it's working because of that backlog that you're referring to. Like you have data to prove that it's working. Mm -hmm. I do want to ask a follow-up question because I do get that question a lot in the community or when I do uh, like corporate training and I train teams at the time. How do you even get started when you don't have the backlog? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Personally, the YouTube Insights tool um, that's provided by, by Google, I don't know if you're familiar. For people who are working within DB360, there is a tool. Um, it, I want to say the URL is, is literally like insights.youtube is, is how it starts with. You can request access from your DB360 reps. Um, the YouTube Insights tool allows you to actually plug in specific behaviors, pick audience segments, 
you know, so like if let's say that you are an e-commerce brand, if you are a brand that's large enough that, you know, you're being tracked within YouTube's insights, you can just put in your client's name into the YouTube insights tool and you're going to get a full breakdown of the age, the demographic overlays that you should apply, um, contextual YouTube content, open exchange content that people engage with, a, a full, you can actually have YouTube Insights create a deck for you um, within the within the browser. There's just like a, a download um, up in the button up in the type right hand column, you click create slides, and it'll generate this like 30 to 40 slides on your audience. Um, you can compare them against the baseline of, you know, everyone 18 plus in the US or using the example of that sort of like Adidas like brand, right? If hip hop rap music fans are your target audience, um, you know, you can compare how the hip hop rap universe that that likes your brand um, compares overall in like their media usage versus, you know, the baseline of everyone 18 plus. So yeah. even without using Comscore or MRI, I'm able to, you know, based on the like the information that I'm able to get either from the client or just understanding the brand at a at a basic level, I can start to access um, the channels that they follow on YouTube and the content that they watch and get an idea of of audience segments that I can use um, yeah. based on YouTube's based on YouTube's uh, experience and insights. Yeah. So okay. So there's a lot to unpack here. So definitely tap into your DSP resource. Brett is mentioning a special tool, YouTube what? YouTube Insight and DV360? YouTube Insights, yeah. Any, um, anyone working with DV360 should be able to reach out to their reps. And if they don't have, if they haven't used this tool, for some reason, a lot of people that even work in DV360 haven't used it. Yeah. Just ask your rep about YouTube Insights. And um, yeah. it's a very, very easy, cool tool. I would, I would even say, even if you're not running YouTube inventory, right? It's not, this yep. is not YouTube campaign it's really like a, a com yeah. score mri light yeah i was gonna it, say it's, yeah. it would be very beneficial to still request that access and look at those insights because then you can learn from that audience and so the short answer is that yes if you don't have previous data or previous performance data on that audience then yes you are relying on media planning tools like mri simmons you just mentioned uh there are so many out there i was going to start squad whatever. You can also relay on your DSV if there's any insight tools that they offer. But I think the biggest thing that we need to remember is that, and that's why he said, mm, this is not a set and forget it, is that once you start running those audiences, one, emphasize the word testing. Okay. You need to test different audiences, different partners. Two, I would add, don't, don't be afraid to reach out to those partners. If something's not performing, you're spending some sh money, you better reach out to those partners and be like, you're not working. I'm not spending no more. I'm taking my money somewhere else. And I bet you those partners are going to come up with like concrete solutions for you and advise you of even audience segments or what we're doing wrong or things like that. Okay. And that's also how you build a network. And yep. then lastly, you said, start keeping track of those audiences so that next time you run either the same advertiser, similar advertiser, similar industry, you know how to start. And that's where the automation comes from, like the decreasing of the minimizing of efforts come, come in. Like knowing that every single pharmacy, uh, I don't know, pharmacy brands that I've ran, 
these one partners, providers, data providers have worked really well, you start with those. And then if you want to test others, then we test others. But I think it's a very, very valuable insight here, Brett. So thank you for sharing. What's another thing we can we can look at? Yeah. Um, so you know, after we get past um, we've we've received a client brief, we have a basic plan, we've identified the audiences that we want to work on. Um, I have one more thing I'll touch on within within planning um, that I, I I think I didn't focus I didn't spend enough time focusing on, and that is as you are um, working through your campaign planning process, understanding how you want to um, develop your media plan um, in programmatic, thinking about the very like specific campaign requirements of like the types of media that you're going to set up thinking through the actual lineup, line item and insertion order setup, like as you're going through the planning process, I think is really crucial. I found that when I was earlier on as a trader, right, I would come up with the audience. Um, I would have my budget, I have my media plan. But at that point, I hadn't actually thought through how I was going to execute it because I didn't have that knowledge to be able to, um, to really think through what the campaign was going to look like until I sat down in platform. And I think that's one of the um, one of the challenges of getting of getting into into programmatic. So, if we had to recap, like the top three points, right, of what you just said for our audiences, what would what would those be? I think that the 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 first point would be okay. as you're going through the planning process. I think one of the things that that early tra traders will struggle with is looking ahead to when I'm actually setting up the campaigns, what are some of the things that, I, that I'm going to need to know, not only like know to, ex to, to build the campaign, um, but are there things that I can do in my plan to make my job in setting up the campaign and in queuing my campaign easier? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I, that I have been doing lately is um, anytime like a problem comes up in a campaign, I had to go back and uh, build yeah. something um, I got questions on something like one of the things that I didn't fully understand is like, right, talking about YouTube specifically, mm -hmm. if you're going to run skippable and non-skippable on YouTube and you're trying to plan out the amount of impressions, views, whatever you're going to get, an introductory, an early trainer may not know, a trader probably doesn't know that you, you really should plan those lines separately because yeah. skippable and non-skippable can't be bought together. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be bought with CPM and CPV rather than like the same yeah. same methodology. So yeah, and that's, that's one where like if you know that is going to happen the campaign, how should you work that into your media plan to make your job easier? Yeah, I love that because it goes back to what I always say is that you know being a great trader start with like the onboarding process, and sometimes it doesn't. It's not up to to them, right? It's up to the company that hires them. But ultimately, it has to start with the onboarding process is like, how do we do things internally? Okay. Um, how are we training these people? Is the training somebody just training you? Is there like a concrete standard? Is it a process? Is it like step by step? I think it should be all the above. Yeah. Because one, everybody learns a different way. But also, all of these above are very important in how you're going to retain that information you just shared. Like, oh, those line items should be separated. And so I think the initial effort might feel like it's more than we want to, but it can save so much more time for 
for somebody else that's coming on the team. That's why I always encourage like the hiring manager, the lead who's responsible for that team to come up with like a standard. This is how we set up YouTube line items. These are the fake friends when setting up the YouTube line item. This is how you set up a display campaign. This is, you have to have so those standards and processes in place. And sometimes it's as easy as like, a quick video, a loom video, I don't care. Make it really simple for you and your team. Keep it simple, very, very simple. Don't gotta be fancy. You don't have to make it HD if you don't want to, right? It has to be easy to, to watch, right? But just like what Brett said, it's like, it's one of those things you don't think about <laughs> uh, until, until you've made that mistake. But if you made that mistake, why not teach somebody not to make that mistake, right? So take the time, even though right now it sounds like, oh, this is, more work than they're telling me to that it's going to happen in the long well, run once you take the initial time it will save up it will save up some time i, I will say uh, even like from a very selfish perspective yeah i do not care if i'm making the job easier on someone else after they're coming in right <laughs> but if i make their job easier that it makes my job easier too yeah. like focusing on um, uh, mistakes or errors that you have made. Those are such great opportunities because not yeah. only should you, should you identify this as, as a thing that you should adjust in your plan, like, right, like referencing skippable versus non-skippable. If that's a thing that I've run into where I know that it's easier for me to separate those out on my plan somehow and notate that I want to have skippable and non-skippable inventory, um, it is helpful, like you said, for someone else to kind of see see that process and, and understand that it'll make their job easier. But it makes my job easier. Now you don't have to chew it after them or, yeah. <laughs> or you have to go back and fix it for them and stop what you're doing and, you know. Um, getting to like the, the nuts and bolts of how this works for people, I think that like if you work in DB360, I'll give you a very specific example export your your SDFs, which are structured data files for anyone who doesn't know, um, that show you like basically the makeup of the campaign. There's yeah. a campaign insertion order line item, ad group and ad SDFs. Yeah. I, I love that recommendation. Um, and that's part of the automation, like saving time. Like Yes. Is there something that. similar in, in Trade Desk? I haven't used Trade Desk in, in years. There's, there's a way to export uh, that, that stuff. And there's Perfect. even a way to import that after you make change. There's even an option to template some ad groups or campaign setup. I can't remember which one is two, even though I'm in the trade desk every day. I strongly recommend that you do that because I actually worked for this agency in Canada. Um, where was I going? Oh, in Montreal. It was in Montreal. I can't remember the thing. I, I was hoping to remember, but they had every SDF in the books, like templated. Like if you had to set up for a specific client, like a big brand client, these were all the SDF. Like this was for this brand of the client or this advertiser, things like that. And it was very well organized and it was easy to just jump in the day-to-day -day because we know when we were requested to set up under this advertiser, but for this brand or this branch of the advertiser, these were the SDF to use. And then you updated it. And yep. you might be thinking like, yeah, but you still got to go and update. Yes, you still do. But won't, don't you rather have your five ad groups automatically set up for you and you just update or bulk edit inside of DB360 or the trade desk or you name it versus having to set it up manually every time? 
it's annoying. And here's another thing too. Um, I think that's what Brett is trying to tell us is that the use of SDF also minimize human errors, especially when it's templated. Yeah. So for instance, you mentioned making errors and learning from our mistakes. I remember vividly spending my whole monthly budget in two days, right? Because I forgot to switch from daily budget to lifetime budget. How many of us did that? Don't, yeah, don't lie you. to me. How many of us have done that? When you template the SDF at the insertion order, you can have that option automatically set as something else, right? And I can't even remember DB360 even offer a daily option nowadays, but I know Facebook does. But that's the whole point. Like, what can you template? What? How can you? It's not about working hard here. It's about working smart because it's hard. Remember what you yeah. said in the last episode? It's hard, okay? <laughs> so, um, yeah. But so... The reason I bring up SDFs, SDFs, which is very much a building tool in the planning phase, is that as we talk, as we think about thinking through your campaign setup requirements and planning, I, I bring that up because yeah. when I look at the SDFs, a lot of the columns, right, like that correspond to um, like the buy type, the fee structure, the measurement, uh, a lot of the columns in there are predetermined, can be set sort of like templatized yeah. and can be ignored. However, there are a lot of columns in there that I think should be included in your media plan. If you structure your media plan with your SDFs in mind, like go through and look at the columns that are in an SDF and build out your media plan with the knowledge of everything that I should specify in the media plan to let me be able to go and build my SDF with yeah. all the settings that I need to update because there's only so many things that I actually really have to update. No, that's true. That's, yeah. that's, true. that's um, true. That's what makes that updating your campaign planning process based on the, the template that you're going to use to edit your campaign yeah. in a data file. Like I think that's a, a thing that people should do more often and um, which segues into the actual campaign setup process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Personally, um, what I like to do, you touched on this a little bit, but what I have done and I have found to be very helpful is if people set up templates of their campaigns mm -hmm. in that form. And what I mean there is like, I like to go through and think through all the settings, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. Um, I, I want to spend some time thinking through like, what actually is my device bidding strategy and what yeah. are the videos that I, that I need to work on? What are what is my keyword exclusion list that I should that I yeah. should apply, and um, how do I really want the insertion order pace to be set versus the line item yeah. pace to be set? Yeah. Um, so, I, I, and if you go in in platform, create every insertion order and different type of line item, different type of ad group that you have come up in a campaign, you can then take that template export it through your SDF tool and then go through your process of, of yeah. sort of duplication, editing of names, budgets, and flight. And you access your backlog of targeting IDs that you've used. Just grab those targeting IDs and put them into your SDFs. And you've really taken out the majority of campaign editing and creation. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about. It's like, if it honestly, it's annoying. And sometimes Google updates and the SDF has to be updated. And that's where it might seems like it's taking us more effort, but I promise you the effort, the initial effort will pay off. Like I remember setting 10 line items in less than 15 to like 10 minutes. Okay. 
for like multi seven figure brand because I had SDF for each again, type of branch within that brand, right? Instead of like setting up 30 line items in, in between three campaigns, it was like update, upload, upload, uploads, update. Even the creative upload can be automated, right? And of course, the situation that I'm referring to had CM360, so it's fairly easy to bulk edit. But here's all some things, like when you take that initial effort to do the step, it will pay off. You're becoming more efficient. You're spending less time on that. And, and here's the magic word is that when you're using that SDF, the rest of your team can benefit from it. So when the rest of your team can benefit from it, there's less human errors that happen because it's exactly. automated. It's automated. That's what we're trying to avoid. It's so complicated to be a trader. Okay. It's not impossible. It's complicated. Okay. Don't make it harder on yourself. Make it easy by coming up with those automated things, like he mentioned, like the SDF, for instance, and then make it happen. And then once in a while, update them. You know, once in a while, you'll come to, to use the SDF and be like, actually, this is an option. I can add an FDF, SDF now. Or things like you mentioned, um, exuding IDs, exuding universal site list, tapping into your brand safety or your post-verification partners. All of those can be automatically set up in an, into an SDF when you know the idea, of course. And that's if the um, idea doesn't change, right? So One SDF hack to, let me know if you know, if you're familiar with this. So have you, in DB360, have you ever used the budget segments at the insertion order level? And then you have leftover budget for like the first budget segment, but you can't edit in platform? No, you cannot. You, you have to move that. Yeah. Can yeah. you do it in you can do it in SDFs. So you can edit the first budget segment for like, that's already passed, remove, like lower the budget for the first segment to what it actually spend. So you won't have those actualized dollars that are just sitting there. What? I can't believe yeah. this. That's kind of scary though, no? I no, mean, the system will not let you upload the SDF after you like, so but, again, just for anyone who didn't catch this, like, let's say I have a 15 day flight I have budgeted, there's 15K total. I'm supposed to spend eight, 8K in the first set eight days and 7K in the next, in the second seven days. Yeah. But after the first eight days of the budget segment only spent $6,000. So I have, if I don't update this, I'm going to have 2K that doesn't spend. Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. You won't flag it for me. No, because that's, that's true. Yeah. And it looks like an underspend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. However, yeah. we can't update that in DB360, but I can export an SDF and then update the first budget segment just by editing the number for that, for that segment um, and then upload the SDF and it'll update it. That is a million dollar trick here because I specifically remember because the reason why it's a million dollar trick for me is because it gets confusing at the end of the flight, right? Six months later, you're like, all right, this is not the true budget because I had to keep adding and then it didn't do the math correctly and et cetera. And yep, so that is going to keep it clean for you. That's really great. Exactly. And if you set the budget too low for the first budget segment, like if it actually spent, you know, $8,000 and I put it at $79.99 or something like that, it will flag it for me and it won't let me upload it. So just so wow. you know. That um, is great, great. So SDFs, are wonderful it's in you need to think about them as you're planning utilize them as you build i'm going to refer back to them here in just a second but um to tie a bow on sort of like the the minimization of effort process <laughs> me, um, performance you talked a little bit about coa um i i don't have a strong coa opinion not, have not being like in trade desk every day 
but I do have an opinion on how traders can improve their time, their their overall efficiency in in performance. And um, it it may be an over oversimplification, but in my opinion, you should focus primarily on performance deep dives. Um, you know, yeah. understanding you know demographics, psychographic yeah. overlays. Um, what should my cross device? What should my device bidding strategy be? Um, what type of URLs should I be allowing versus disallowing? I performed that kind of analysis in between campaigns, yeah. um, really, or um, as not part of a specific campaign. I used to, I used to waste a lot of time creating reports. Like for each campaign, I would create a report, you know, that showed the device performance, right? And that's feels good at the time because I'm learning something, but. In understanding performance, we should also be adding some optimization in and really looking at performance. Yeah. Um, you know, in areas like device or geo, a lot of the time it doesn't make sense for us to focus on those on a can single campaign. We should pull those reports um, cross campaign. They should be evergreen, and um, we shouldn't worry about those things. I feel yeah quite as much. In flight, we should focus our optimization towards the single primary KPI of the campaign and making sure that we pace. So I think that like really in terms of perf like managing performance, traders should really focus on those yeah. bones, those essentials um, in a campaign and really not stress yourself out too much on like, oh my God, the click-through rate is, you know, at point. Yeah, the- 2% um, percent vanity, might have played and I really KPI, want 3.3. Yeah, the vanity KPIs. I mean, I think it's a great point because, because you're right, we have a main KPI and that's also part of the automation that we're referring to. Like you mentioned some reports, you can, you know, I know that DV360 have already uh, have some template, but you can create your own, okay? And you can schedule them, which is really a hack there. People don't yeah. schedule enough reports. Yeah, um, I like to create and schedule, like I said, like URL reports. Yeah, not like reports weekly, weekly reports, some something like that, even daily report when it comes to pacing. Um, and then and I'm really referring to the hustlers and gangsters out there that don't have like a data visualization tool, like a domo or a tableau to automate some of that stuff. So the people that are actually <laughs> struggling like me, um, that's what you should do. Now, I do believe that everybody should have some type of visualization tool, but if that's not the case, this is what we recommend. Really scheduling those reports, really making those own templates. But also, if you only have 15 minutes or less to optimize, which is something as a masterclass I actually teach, you got to focus on uh, your campaign goal and that main KPI. And then based on that main KPI and a campaign goal, you go find that most important targeting lever. So let me explain. The targeting lever is... Um, I actually have an acronym that I came up with. It stands for campaign. So the word campaigns. So C is for creative ad format, audience state element. M is for mechanics as if the technology, so the devices, placement above or below the fold. A is amount of time. So think frequency. I is inventory. So think about supply, site, or uh, sellers. Geographical areas for G. N is the number, of, number to start with. So base bid. And then S is the schedule of the day or day of the week. So yeah. campaigns, each of those letters stands for the targeting levers you want to know about. And based on that main KPI, you want to start with, okay? So I'm going to yep. add in the description, actually, um, the cheat sheet that, that I created for people that don't know where to start when, again, they have a minimum of time to optimize and pull those analysis or those insights like you're, you're telling us to do. 
um, to just help. Like for instance, data elements, when are we supposed to look at audiences? Um, should we look at audiences for an awareness campaign or should we just focus on frequency, you know, things like that. And that's how we become more efficient, but it's all about templating, but also it's all about like, how can you make it more efficient by just looking at what's most important. Now I would encourage once in a while to go dive deep into all of them, because that's how you're able to really see things that maybe you haven't seen before or tell the story that you want to tell. Right. Like I'll never forget. We, I worked on a dental association brand way back when, and the brand had most of the, the business owners that would convert were on iPhones versus Androids, which was interesting, right? Because it shouldn't matter. But then what it told me is that, well, if higher people are converting on, on on iPhone, maybe more budget should go there. So those are just, and that was back in the days. That was before, you know, all of the iOS things. So don't come at me sending me hate mails for this. That was back in 2016 or 17. <laughs> um, yeah, well, so... Mm. I'm never, I would never come at you, you know, for that, (laughs) Um, you know, us, you know, I I think it's it's funny because Mm -hmm. media agency people, Mm -hmm. we love iPhones. I mean, that's, that's the simple case is like, we, we prefer, we strive, we desire, crave that simplicity, that minimalism, all the functionality. So like, I don't know, I love my iPhone and I find targeting iOS users frustrating, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because there's limitation in measurement and limitation in reporting on conversion. It's annoying, and anyway, that could be another. That should be a happy hour conversation. Yeah, it could be. but um, um, yeah, mm-hmm. but performance. Um, okay. It's a great conversation. I'm really glad that we got to to work this into here, and mm-hmm. and to me. I, just to circle back to the whole, like some of this is automation, some of this is 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 sort of um, process. This one to me, how people, how traders think about performance optimization and managing live campaigns is really about automation of your thinking and your thought process and like sort of hacking the way that your brain works. Because I feel like earlier on in your career, right? Like, like I said, you, you can tend into you this is the area where you feel like you should dive in and lean in the most however it's where you have the least amount of time oh yeah I think like like you said um the campaigns process that's perfect those are the things that you should think of like I said cross campaign they're evergreen reports that you think of and you adopt your Mm -hmm. standard campaign buying processes over time like Mm -hmm. I well Hold on, I was I was going to give away too much of a secret sauce, but I, I don't want to do that. Um, so go through the process of if you find things like certain device types or certain browsers or certain device manufacturers, if those things seem to be winning over time, you can't often see those signals in a single campaign. Look at those reports over time. And then when you're working on a campaign, focus on the, the the very nitty gritty, the things that we're judged for, right? Like we are judged based on the pacing, the delivery and, you know, our primary KPI. So keep it simple while you're optimizing a campaign, but then dig into the fun stuff around it and learn the ins and outs of every report that you can create, right? Yeah. Like and you should- And as much, schedule as much as you can. With, and be, have a great note taker. Yeah. Exactly. Here's a good one. There's a tool called, uh, um, yeah, let me find it. 
Well, even before just like having a specific tool, if you have a app that is a note-taking app that can record sound and transcribe it, that is like absolutely a game changer. I have one that I think is called, yeah, Otter, O-T-T-E-R. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard of Otter. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, so like I'll have it transcribe some meeting notes for me because I have a bad memory. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, performance is is crazy. Like being able to monitor campaigns, um, you need to automate the process that you go through and sort of focus on fewer things. Um, if I have one other tip that I could share, have you ever used SDFs for QA? Yes. yes. Yes, that's a great point. And tell us why. The best thing about um, about this, like I said, the human brain is not set up to, to perform like a really accurate QA in platform. And the reason I say that is if you think about the UI of like DB360 or Trade Desk, we don't get to see everything in one place, right? All the important information. SDFs do let you do that. We We break the whole campaign out into a place where column by column, I can see what what difference are there in each row and each insertion order and each line item. And there are things that should be unique across those. Like if I have a retargeting line item, um, you know, I'm often going to need to set different pacing settings for that versus in, in different frequency settings than I would something that's more of like a conquesting or prospecting audience because those retargeting audiences tend to be smaller, more expensive. So I need to treat them differently. So that's an instance where that knowledge is going to is important in QA and being able to see everything laid out in an SDF, I can then say there are certain things that should be the same across the board. If they are not, that's an issue. I can see the names, you know, I can see that my campaign, my insertion order name, the audience matches the name that I'm using in the line item. That's important. Like these are things that's just hard to do in platform. Yeah, I mean so much that you just shared um my little extra guess is is, is really distracting right now <laughs> but i think the whole point of this whole conversation if you're listening is that what brett is trying to clearly say is that you got to utilize what the platform has for you and in the case of db360 you has sdf and i know that in the case of trade desk there are some options to template and pull import export i mean even in CM360, you can you can template some of that. I remember it's not called SDF in CM360. It's something else. Uh, it's not coming back to me. But I remember templating a bunch of them to QA. Okay, um, how you know placements were set up, ads were set up, creative were set up, etc. So utilize that time. Take that time to really invest in. Again, I feel like I'm repeating ourselves, right? But initially invest in that. In taking the time to come up with those templates and then go from there. And then of course you'll have to update it eventually. Okay. It's not a set and forget it. Like Brett said. Um, yeah. So that's a and good, good, good recommendation. A great one. Yeah. SDFs. That's the thing yeah. is like, um, it, it is a campaign creation tool. It yeah. is an editing tool. Yep. However, um, I think if you're not using them for QA, I think you're really missing out. So yeah. Yeah. And please do like that that is a that is a huge thing for anyone who like like i said people often don't like to qa other people's campaigns it is hard we are have our own campaigns yeah. that we're working on so i think if you can utilize sdfs to qa your own work 
because the majority of the errors that we make in programmatic are in the same places. Yeah. Right? They're, they're naming errors. They are budget. They are audience or creative. A yeah. lot of the time you assign the wrong creative, which we can check in, in, in SDFs a lot of the time, because, you know, I don't know about in trade desk, but in DB 360, mm -hmm. uh, the open exchange creatives, I'll see the creative IDs in the line item SDF. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have a YouTube ads SDF, right? So yeah, 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 um, yeah. Like you can QA the full spectrum in in, in SDFs. And I think that's uh, something, it's, it's huge. I will also say that if you want to take it one step further, especially about the QA, I specifically remember when I was freelancing and contracting with WorkReduce, shout out to WorkReduce, um, this, my supervisor, Chris Beck, he created this dope Excel sheet where you would download the campaign view in CM360. This is CM360 campaign manager. And she would download like the campaign view, the ad view, export it all, and then upload into that Excel that he made. And then it will literally say, yes, it's correct. No, it's, it's not correct. And it's like, it was a beast. But the whole point of him spending so much time is that everything was automated. You could QA your own self and the people QAing you could use that same Excel template. And so not only did it like save so much time, but also it reduced it, like it reduced human error by X amount of time. And the campaign did not go for approval to a client or like we did not approve anything to a client or launch anything with a client until both of those QA sheets were filled out and corrected, right? I mean, I know it's, again, it sounds like a lot of work, but because he created that, he automated the QA process. And literally, whoever was QAing you didn't have to edit anything but one or two things. And it reduced the time of QAing. And again, it just reduced the time of launching anything. So, so that's how you can take it to ne uh, the next step by using SDF, by using um, any type of export import option that your DSP is offering to in, in your favor for your team, for yourself, like automate that stuff. You don't have to do it all the time, every day. I have this very fancy, ugly uh, checklist that I share with the reach and frequency students when we go over queuing, the importance of queuing or setting up and things like that. But it's really very standard. And what I tell them is that you can use this checklist when you find a job, but just remember the way you um, set up a campaign, that's how you wanna set up the QA checklist. And so, so yeah, so it's, it's just one of those things that you're going to have to, you got, you got to do it. You just gotta, you know, you just gotta do it, you, but you need to do it. <laughs> you got to do it because a lot of, you can waste, spend so much time and budget with one simple error that can be fixed before in a QA session, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I think it's a great way to wrap up the conversation today because there's so much stuff we can do and there's so much things we can talk about when it comes to queuing, to really minimizing our efforts as a trader, especially when we're not working with technologies that allows us to automate. So I mentioned the data visualization tool, project management tool, all of these, these are things that you can implement to help you be more efficient. If mm -hmm. your company, if your team is not doing that, create it. Who cares? You're doing it for yourself. And then the rest of the team can benefit. But in the, the following career moves that you're going to have, you can take that experience and you can take that wisdom with you. So just see it that way. It's not just like a present. 
Um, you're not just fixing the present. It's not a solution just like you're going to use today. It's something that is going to teach you a lot about yourself. It's going to teach you leadership skills. It's going to teach you, I don't know. It's going to teach you a lot of other transferable skills for your next career move. So always, always remember that. Um, because again, it gets, it's a lot, right? It's a lot that's yeah. on, on our shoulders, like any other job. So making that extra step is beneficial, not today, but for tomorrow. Okay. That's why they pay us the program, the, the big bucks, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's I, I, I'm joking a little bit, but programmatic does get paid well compared to. You're not lying. Yes. Not lying. Yes, um, yes so they like, are. It is worth it, people, like it is worth it if you invest in yourself. Yeah. In in, um, yeah. in your processes to make your job easier on a day to day basis. Like I said, yeah. like, like you said, it, it really becomes a manageable career. Something you yeah. can grow. And like we like we discussed, I think creating a backlog of audiences that you access over time. If we have a backlog of audiences that we access, if we think about the campaign setup process as we're planning, if we we utilize SDFs and shortcuts and templates in our campaign building, and then also are smart about how we, we monitor performance, focusing on just pacing and a clear KPI in flight. And then we use tools like SDFs to QA our campaigns, the whole process becomes a little bit simpler. We make fewer errors and we're happier. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to like be fantastic. It doesn't have to cost anything. You have no idea how many times we just utilize Google Sheets, Google like Excel, Microsoft Excel, and so many of those templated things. So keep it very simple yourself. Do apply pressure to do those things because I know a lot of my friends in director, associate director position and VP's position that have literally updated some of those processes that they developed for other agencies on the way. And in those leadership positions, they already done the work. They just are updating that, right? It's like not about, it's not recreating wheel. It's just about updating and adjusting based on your new audience. So that's what we were recommending. Thank you so much for joining us on the second episode of the Programmatic Trader Wellbeing Series. We'll be back next week. We're going to talk about staffing models, training, staff augmentation, basically what we call programmatic activation, the new fundamentals of our programmatic activation. We're going to talk about people, process, and the platform. And that's next week. And Brett is going to come back with Million Dollar Juices for you watching <laughs> or listening. So again, Brett, thank you so much for coming by. If they want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Uh, I do recommend LinkedIn, okay. Brett Middleton at Canvas Worldwide. My website should be live as we speak after the Cowboys have won the Super Bowl, uh, the dailyfrogger.com. <laughs> daily, daily Burgers. P-R-O-G-G-E-R. Sort of like, uh, yeah, like... The abbreviation of programmatic prog. Yeah, um, I love it. And all of Brett's information is going to be in the show notes, the show description, on social media. And then you have my information if you need to just add Brett, like reach out to Brett. I can send you his information. So thank you everybody for listening. Don't forget to show us some love if you see any of the content about this episode. But also most importantly, don't forget to act on this insight, okay? We're not just sharing this just because... Will it cue on a Monday afternoon? No. It's like, we, we want you to act on this information so that you can get better in that. You can be happier at the end of the day because you're becoming more efficient. You have more breaks during the day. Like Brett is excellent at taking. So just remember that. Be blessed. And we'll see you next week. Bye.